0: Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. On this episode, I want to wrestle with this question, a question that's been on tons of people's minds, a question I have been asked repeatedly, and that question is this. Are we living in the end times? In view of all the craziness of 2020, are these signs of the end, signs that Jesus is about to return? But before we jump into that, I just want to say, in view of all the craziness, nothing is more important than your connection to God and how deep and rooted that connection is. And so I wanted to let you know that I have just re-recorded my free mini uh, course that I give away on my website on really how to read the Bible and pray in such a way to deepen your connection with God, Uh, brand new content. Uh, bonus video, updated workbook. So it's all brand new. This has uh, never really been a better time just to jump onto my website and sign up for that course. Totally free. And it's about, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes, maybe an hour's worth of content for free workbook and all of that. that will help you think through and develop a plan for reading the Bible and praying consistently, and doing so as part of your discipleship to Jesus, and doing it in a way that helps you really abide in Christ and deepen your connection with God. So I'd really encourage you to check that out. I'll put a link in the notes down below to free mini course so that'll be the header and there'll be a link underneath that and you can just click that link you can go right to my website Uh, all you got to do is put in your name your email address and you'll get instant access to that course all right let's jump right into this important question for today are we living in the end times 2020 has certainly been a crazy year. Obviously, the most startling, well-known example of that is the global pandemic of the coronavirus that has affected lives all around the world in varying degrees, but really at scale. And people are, uh, their livelihoods have been impacted, their businesses, their jobs have been impacted. That's been a big deal. There's been obviously Uh, a a massive amount of deaths from the coronavirus. Then you add to that some of the other craziness, such as uh, really catastrophic flooding in China that has some people predicting certain food shortages and the way that's going to impact the global economy. Uh, You have here in the States, you have just kind of a really tension-filled political season and some of the things that go with that. Uh, you have wildfires here in the States that are burning up massive amounts of the West Coast. Uh, you you had that just within the last year in Australia, you had wildfires there in Australia. I mean, things both stateside and around the world have been just crazy here in the last uh, six to 12 months, if not more than that. And that has a lot of people wondering, are these like signs of the end? Is this the signs of the times? Is Jesus about to return? Um Whatever your end times view is, are those things about to unfold the way we think they're going to unfold? Uh, And there has been fresh predictions of when the the return of Jesus is going to come. There have been new podcasts and YouTube videos made about the end times with updated charts. And it raises this question, are these the signs of the end? Are we living in the end times? Is Jesus about to return? And personally, I have had emails asking me that question. I have had phone calls asking me that question. And so this is something that's on really the top of a lot of Christians' mind, that, man, it sure seems like these are the signs of the end, so are we living in the end times? And rather than just looking at the news headlines, rather than just looking at what's going on in the world, I think the place we need to look, the place we need to look particularly first, is at the text of Scripture, because I don't think Scripture necessarily says, what sometimes we make it out to say when it comes to the end times, particularly signs of the end. Oftentimes, we get this idea of signs of the end times from Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 says this, it says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for these things must take place. But that's not the end yet. For a nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the beginnings of birth pains. And so people read a text like that, and they're like, See, when you start seeing those kinds of things, those are signs that we're at the beginning of birth pains. Not quite the end, but we're, we're there. However... We have to make sure we understand Matthew 24 in context as it was originally meant to uh, mean. And so what was the original reference for Matthew 24? Now, let's be honest. Matthew 24 is a hard text. It's hard because the nature of the language, some of the things that's said is a little confusing. um, And scholars are a little bit divided on Uh, what all it's referring to. Uh, Matthew 24 begins with the disciples asking uh, Jesus a question, but their question uh, grows out of something Jesus said. Jesus said at the beginning of Matthew 24, looking at the temple complex, right, sitting on the hill, looking at the temple complex, he's like, you see all these things, he says? Well, truly, I say to you, there will come a time when not one stone is going to be left upon another. In other words, the temple is going to be torn down. The temple is going to come crashing down. That prompts the disciples to ask this question. And the question is, when will these things be? When's this going to happen to the temple? Uh, And then they add, and what will the sign of your coming and the close of the age be? And so they're associating the, the destruction of the temple with the sign of Jesus coming, close of the age, and then Jesus goes into the rest of Matthew 24 to answer that question. And here's what we need to realize then, is that a lot of what is said in Matthew 24 has to do with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple that occurred in A.D. 70. So 35 years, 40 years after the life of Jesus, Jerusalem was Siege, taken under siege by the Romans, and that siege lasted three and a half years. And then at the end of those three and a half years, uh, the Romans broke into the city and uh, just killed massive amounts of Jews, utter destruction. It was awful. Josephus describes it as uh, you know piles and piles of dead body, blood flowing in the streets. Terrible, terrible experience. Uh, burned down the temple. And so... Much of what is written about in Matthew 24 is actually talking about that event that happened so long ago. Now, that becomes really clear when you look at the parallel passages in Mark 13 and Luke 21. Uh, when you look at those two passages, particularly Luke 21, it becomes really clear what Jesus is talking about. And he's talking about this event of the sieging and destruction of Jerusalem in the year A.D. 70. And so uh, we we need to recognize that much of what is said in Matthew 24 has already taken place. Scholars, however, are divided on if all of Matthew 24 is about that. And if not, then what parts of it are about the, the Jerusalem and temple being destroyed? What parts of it are still left to be fulfilled in the future when Jesus returns? And that's where it gets a little confusing because it clearly seems like some of it is about the future, though a lot of it is about what happened in the past in the year 70. And so we're just trying to sort all that out and that's what makes Matthew 24 really challenging. It seems to me that this first little bit is clearly about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple that happened in the year 70. And so when he talks about famines and tumults and earthquakes and kingdoms rising against kingdoms and all that, all of that happened through the first century and all of that led up to the destruction of Jerusalem and it seems pretty clear that's what he's talking about in the first half particularly when you read that uh, in parallel with Luke 21 Luke 21 makes it pretty clear in fact Luke 21 coming out of all this stuff about nations rising against nations and there's going to be persecution of Christians Luke 21 says but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies know that its desolation has come near that's Uh, What this abomination of desolation seems to be talking about is when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, as happened in the year 70. But one part that seems definitely to be referring to the future in Matthew 24 is this part where he says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows the times. No one, not even the Son nor the angels in heaven know. Only the Father knows. That's Matthew 24, verse 36. And he seems to be making a contrast there with the preceding. So, in the preceding verses, Matthew 24, verses 32 and following, Jesus says this, From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and it puts out leaves, you know that summer is near. So the fig tree has things that point you to, oh, summer's on the horizon. It's about to be summer. So also, um, Jesus says in verse 33, when you see all these things, you know that it is at the very gates. It's near. What is near? Everything he's described, the uh, destruction of Jerusalem and all that's going to go with it. That's uh, what, so there are signs for that. And here's the thing. Those signs that Jesus described in Matthew 24 of the destruction of Jerusalem that occurred in 70 were, so, were really so clear to the early Christians that when Jesus said, when you see these things taking place, make sure you get out of the city. Well, guess what? The early Christians took him to heart. There were no Christians in the city of Jerusalem when, Jer- when Jerusalem was sieged by the Romans in 66 and destroyed by the Romans in 70. Why? Because they read Matthew 24. They took Jesus' word seriously. They recognized what he was talking about. They fled the city because uh, Jesus had warned them about it. Right? And so they got those signs, signs that the, the temple was going to be destroyed, signs that Jerusalem was going to be sieged and destroyed. They got that. They fled the city. And so Jesus says, so also you, when you see all these things, you know that it's very near, right at the gates. Truly, truly says to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So this is going to happen in this generation sometime shortly is what he's talking about, right? Then he says in verse 36, but concerning that day. So um, this day. In your generation, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. But concerning that day, and I think at that point, Jesus is pointing forward to the final day, the ultimate day. Concerning that day, no one knows. So there's signs of this day. There's signs of the destruction of Jerusalem. There's signs of the destruction of the temple. But when it comes to the end and Jesus' return, the final day of that day, he says, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so when it comes to the ultimate day, the final day, the day of Jesus returns, Jesus says, no one knows. No one knows. Not even he himself knows. Only God knows um, uh, when that day is going to happen. So when it comes to what happened in 66 to 70 with the sieging of Jerusalem and its ultimate destruction in 70, there were signs of that. And the signs that he's talking about in Matthew 24, earthquakes, famines, rumors of wars and all that, uh, those were signs that tipped off the early Christians to flee the city, and they did. But of the final day, there aren't signs. In fact, Jesus goes on there in Matthew 24, and he says, therefore, verse 42, therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour when you don't expect. So when we look around at the world and we think, oh, it must be coming close. Jesus is saying, wait, hold on. you, You got it all wrong you don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to be like a thief. It's going to be a surprise. We don't know uh, when it's going to happen. It's going to happen when we don't expect it. Catch that. When we don't expect it, like a thief, surprising, unexpected. That's how it's going to happen. In fact, this thief imagery is picked up by Jesus's later apostles Uh, And they use it in their writings. For example, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says this. Now, as as to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. You you don't really need anyone to explain this to you because you should understand how this goes. Verse 2. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief. Echoing what Jesus says in Matthew 24, Paul says, it's going to come like a thief. It's going to be unexpected, and it's going to be a surprise. In fact, notice what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 3. For while people are saying, peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains on a woman with child, and they will not escape. So it's going to happen when people aren't expecting it. Things are going along well. Peace and safety, they're saying. Everything's great, right? Like So no pandemics, n- no craziness, just life is normal. Life is going along great. And then boom, Jesus returns like a thief. The Apostle Peter says the same thing in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. A- unexpected, surprising, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. And so, what both Paul and Peter are saying is, echoing Jesus in Matthew 24, is that we're not necessarily going to know. It's going to be a surprise, it's just going to kind of come out of the blue. In other words, if we think there's going to be signs of the end, we're misreading what Scripture is actually saying. of that day, Jesus says, no one knows. Not the angels in heaven, not even the Son, but only the Father knows when that's going to happen. So, are we living in the last days? Well, here's what Jesus and his apostles tell us. There aren't supposed to be signs of the end. Instead, it's going to come like a thief, as a surprise and unexpected um, No one will know when it's going to happen. They'll be saying peace and safety because it's going to be surprising and unexpected. In fact, not even Jesus knows when it's going to happen. Only God himself knows when it's going to come about. And you want to hear a crazy stat? Since the end of World War II, so in the last, say, 70 years, 75 years, there have been over 200 different predictions of Jesus' return. And it still hasn't happened yet. The, the fine art of predicting the return does not have a very good history. And we should uh, we would do better to listen to the words of Peter, Paul, and Jesus, that it's going to be surprising, it's going to be unexpected, we're probably not going to be able to predict it. But having said all of that, hear this: Every day that you get up in the morning, uh, we wake up and we're a day closer to His return. Every day we get up, we're a day closer to Jesus' return. So today, you're a day closer to Jesus return than you were yesterday. It could happen today. It could happen before you go to bed tonight. could happen tomorrow. We don't know when it's going to happen, but every morning we wake up, we're a day closer to his return. And so let's take Peter's words, let's take Paul's words, let's take Jesus' words to heart and let's be awake, let's be alert, let's recognize that uh, it could happen at any moment. In fact, the apostle Peter in that passage about the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night, us not knowing when it's going to happen. This is what Peter says to us. Peter says, since all these things are going to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And so the way we're alert, the way we're prepared is we're living for Jesus in this present time. We're set apart for him. We're holy in our behavior. We're holy and set apart in our way of life. In our godliness, we're living Godward lives, looking towards God, looking towards his purpose, looking towards his future, and living for it in the present time. And so that's what we should do. Rather than trying to predict when it's going to happen, rather than wondering and worrying if we're living in the end times now, because supposed signs of the times, which don't have anything to do with it, according to Jesus and the apostles, what we should actually do is pour our energy into living for Jesus, living holy lives godly lives in the present time, because Jesus could return any day, any day, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe in a hundred years. We don't know, but it could happen at any moment. So be alert, be awake, be prepared by living with and for Jesus today and every day. Well, I know that approach to the end times doesn't sell books and doesn't make great movies, but it is what the text actually seems to say. And I would rather be rooted in the text of Scripture than just stir up all sorts of drama and fanfare for an approach to the end times that doesn't seem to have anything to do with what Jesus or his apostles taught. Hope that's helpful to you as you wrestle with what's going on in our world at this present time. I hope it helps you set your gaze fully on that final day and on Jesus and live for him right now, today, and every day, because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I'm so glad that you're here, so glad you're part of the Bible and Life family. If you're brand new to uh, this podcast, then Man, I'd encourage you to subscribe. And every week I try to release a podcast that helps us understand the text and live for Jesus more fully and more completely. If you've been listening for a while, could I just invite you to consider partnering with this ministry and partnering with me to make online Bible teaching resources accessible to as many people as possible, whether it's the podcast, whether it's the listener's commentary or whether it's some of my online courses, would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry and donating to support this ministry? This is a listener-supported show and a listener-supported ministry. And so I depend on people like you and your generous support. So thanks to all of you who donate, whether as a patron through my Patreon page or through World Family Mission, your support, your donations makes this possible and is having an impact around the world. So thanks a ton. May God bless you for it, and may God bless each and every one of you as you faithfully walk with him. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.